you have your Bibles with you, please uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 once again, and we are going to be uh, taking a bit of a tour through scriptures. Uh, we're going to finish today, well, not, well, yes, no, we're going to finish, I'm going to finish teaching on the Lord's Prayer today, and I'm going to warn you already, or threaten you, or encourage you to come to church next week because what we're going to do is to practice what we've been learning. We're going to pray. And we're going to pray through the principles of the Lord's Prayer in the morning service. And I'm going to ask you, now some of you are comfortable praying in, in public and, and in a group setting. Others of you aren't. And so we're not going to force anyone out of their comfort zone, so to speak. And if you want to sit and pray quietly by yourself, you're going to do that. If you want to sit and pray with some other people and do it out loud, you can do that as well. But uh, there's no point in teaching you how to do this stuff if we don't actually get to do it. You know, it's, it's like the, the pilot that, I mean, I've told you about him before, back in the days before secure cockpits and airplanes, he would, uh, you know, after they got up in the air, he would love to walk up and down the aisle of the airplane carrying a book that said how to learn to fly in 10 easy lessons. And um, we need to do more than read a book. Uh, we need to practice this. So anyway, we're going to read this passage again, and then um, we're going to dive into the last little bit of this. The disciples asked Jesus uh, in the book of Luke, Lord, you know, teach us to pray. And then Jesus gave them this prayer. And so he said here in Matthew, he says, This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then uh, some of the later manuscripts add these words. And we talked about the doxology last week. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And we talked about what that meant last week. And now I want to focus on the one little word, amen. What does it mean? And so, um, Lindsay, if you would just pop that first slide up on the screen. We're going to do a little bit of word studies and figure out what some of these words mean. Uh, you've probably heard the little girl that, that you know gave this note to her teacher. If you will be my valentine, then I will be your concubine. I learned a new word in, in Sunday school and, and decided to use it. Uh, what is a concubine? Okay, you're laughing about it, but what is it? A mistress, exactly. Okay, it's, it's either a secondary wife or it's a woman who is living with a man to whom she's not married. So... Uh, you're, then you're a concubine. So that's one of the things. If you're going to use that, um, here's one for you. Verily, thou art a truly pulchritudinous woman. Is that good or bad? Ladies, good or bad? It's very good. Okay, it means beautiful, lovely. Verily, thou art a truly pulchritudinous woman. It's not like King, King Saul who said to his son Jonathan, he says, you are the son of a perverse and rebellious woman. No, pulchritudinous is good. Okay, here's one. The hot water heater exploded. 
You see a problem with that? John does. John does. Yeah, John Enns does. <laughs> okay, it's not a hot water heater, John. It's a cold water heater. That's right. Here's another one. Well, what's wrong with that? If you unthaw something, it is what? It's frozen. Right? You don't unthaw the meat, you freeze it. <coughs> so if you're going to use words, you need to know what they mean. Malapropism, Mrs. Malaprop is a fictional character, but she was the one that uh, tended to mix up words, and here are some of the things that, that uh, come from Mrs. Malaprop. He had to use a fire distinguisher. Um, Dad says the monster is just a pigment of my imagination. Um, I, I saw a, uh, an announcement on a for sale item on one of the bulletin boards in town one time about, a, guys, a radial alarm saw. And I saw another one about a wheel barrel. It's a wheel, you know, yeah. Okay, isn't that an expensive pendulum around that man's neck? Pendant. Uh, good punctuation means not to be late, right? Um, he's a wolf in cheap clothing. <laughs> Michelangelo painted the 16th chapel. And here's the other one. My sister has extra sensory perception. And don't is a contraption. If you're going to use words, you need to know what they mean. Saskatchewanisms, maybe you can help me out with that. Here's one that we, we, when we came to Saskatchewan, um, you know, do you want to come with? Is there a problem with that? No. Yes, there is. That's really crummy grammar. Do you want to come with what? Or with whom? Like it needs something at the end of that. You want to come along. You want to come with me? You want to come with them? You, you know, like, you don't come with? There, that's my pet peeve. I just inflicted it on you. Okay, in Saskatchewan, dinner. Is it lunch or supper? How many, how many vote for lunch? Sunday lunch. How many vote for supper? See? We don't know. So don't invite me for dinner. Because I'm either going to be late or early. I don't know. When I worked in the bush, it was dinner time. Like, like whatever time of the day it was, it just meant we were going to stop working and eat. Um, Saskatchewanism, dainties. I looked it up in the dictionary. I thought Saskatchewan was going to be wrong. That is actually the dictionary definition of dainties. I just, oh, I was wrong. Here's another one. Bunny hug. Truly Saskatchewan, right? My girls remember going somewhere on a trip and ordering a Vico. Uh, like, what? They don't make those anymore either. Here's one for you. It's one I hear. All you need to do, bad one, or gots. He gots a new truck. <laughs> yeah. And here's another one. I seen that last week. No problem with that? You saw it last week. You didn't seen it. You saw it. All right. 
So, what does amen mean? I asked somebody, and they said, well, it means, you know, like you put it on at the end, and it means God bless me and keep me safe. Um, is that what it means? Or when you're praying in a group, it means what? I'm done. It's your turn. Right? Uh, that's how we use it. Or, you know, uh, you pray before a meal. Bon appetit. Let's eat. You know, we, now we can eat. Pick up your fork. Uh, that other one is from Star Trek. Uh, you know, the, the captain would ask his crew, what, what should we do? And the crew would make a suggestion. And he would say, make it so. And it's like saying to God, you know, like, <laughs> all right, God, get at it. You know, like, activate. Like. But basically, the word amen means, so let it be. We use it as a punctuation mark. You know, we, 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 um, we use it facetiously. We use it correctly. But at the end of a prayer, when I was a little kid, I, I grew up in the Christian Reformed Church, and the pastor would always end his sermon with the word amen. Oh, how we long for that word. <laughs> Some of those men were so long-winded and were just, come on, you know, say it, say it. Say it. Are we there yet? You know, they, all right, he said it. Yes, we're out of here. That's it, Lindsay. So what do you do with it? If you're going to use words, you need to know what they mean. Here's a, a note from a, an older missionary from a few years ago. He penned this in 1923. He said, this guy writes, and his name is Peter Joshua, he writes, in the autumn of 1923, I arrived from Wales, my native land, with the party of David Lloyd George, the famous, famed British Prime Minister. I soon found myself the guest of the Africa Inland Mission, uh, which is now AIM International, uh, the Inland Missionary, Africa Inland Missionary Home in Brooklyn, a guest who was a very lonely and homesick young man. A group of retired lady missionaries, sensing my loneliness, arranged an afternoon tea to help dispel my gloom. At the close, I was asked to say a word to the assembled ladies, and looking them squarely in the face, I exclaimed, What language is there to describe my gratitude to you, dear woman, women, for all this kindness? What word can describe my feelings? And then in a burst of enthusiasm, I thundered, I know just the word. You are without doubt the most homely women I have ever met. Brother, I learned the hard way that there are words used in the old country that are never used here. Even if homely in Wales does mean wholesome, gracious, kind, loving, and motherly. Some of you may have known Daniel Zapula. Daniel was, um, um, was part of the staff at the Apostolic Church here for a while in town and uh, is involved in different things. But when Daniel came from his home country, um, um, he prayed desperately that, that someone would, would allow him to come to North America. And he said, there's two things that I needed when, when to come to North America. And he came to North America to study. He said, I knew I needed a suit and I knew I needed a suitcase. He said, I didn't have anything to put in my suitcase, but I had a suit. Uh, and he came with that, and, and this, this, these people from Vancouver, in fact, uh, a man and his wife who used to be involved in the porn film industry uh, got converted, and they sponsored Daniel to come over. And Daniel said, 
He said, when, when, when I arrived on the plane, like I didn't know a whole lot, and they were there in Vancouver to meet me, and, and, and they were very nice people, and I wanted to say something nice to the lady. So he said, I said the nicest thing I could think of when I met this lady. I said, you fat. And where he came from, that was a huge compliment. Huge in more ways than one, I guess. But. but if you're going to use the words, you need to know what they mean. And amen is probably one of the greatest and most used of Bible words. And if we are to use it correctly, we need to know what it means. So how do we find, figure out what it means or how do, how do we figure out how to use it correctly? Well, we need to know the meaning of the word and then you need to use it appropriately. The word amen is a Hebrew word. It comes from the Hebrew, the language in which the Old Testament was written and it was pronounced amen. And it was brought directly into the Greek and the other languages and the root of that word is a word that means to confirm to support or to uphold its basic idea. The basic idea of the word amen is firmness or certainty. And in the New Testament, it's also translated. In fact, you will see it, and we're going there in, few, in just a few minutes, and we're going to sing that word at, at the end of the service. We're going to sing, verily, verily, I say unto you. When Jesus used the words, verily, verily, I say unto you, he actually said, amen, amen. Those were the words that he used. We've translated it as verily. But Jesus said, amen and amen, like he said, I am going to say something important here. You need to listen. Okay, so let's take a look at how it was used. In the Old Testament, if you take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 5. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 5. In Numbers chapter 5, Numbers is, is one of the books of laws. And uh, there's a test here for an unfaithful wife. And in verse 22, the priest was to administer this test for an unfaithful wife. And it said, May this he was to say to that woman, May this water that brings a curse enter your body so that your abdomen swells and your thigh wastes away. And then the woman is to say, Amen, so be it. Uh, that's pretty serious stuff. It was used also in 1 Chronicles chapter 6, or 16 rather, if you want to turn there, 1 Chronicles chapter 16. It was used after prayers and after hymns of praise. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And verse 36. So here's this, uh, in, in verse 7 of chapter 16, starts David's psalm of thanks. It says, That day David first committed to Asaph and his associates this psalm of thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. And that starts at verse 8, goes all the way through verse 36. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And so it was used in that way. The psalm that Mark read for us earlier 
this morning. Amen and amen. In the book of Jeremiah, it's used in another way. What happened here, and if you turn there with me to Jeremiah chapter 28, what happened there in Jeremiah that there was a false prophet. Jeremiah was, was predicting doom and gloom for the nation of Israel. He said things are going to get worse. And there was a false prophet by the name of Hananiah who was saying, Jeremiah is out to lunch. Jeremiah it doesn't know what he's talking about and, and things are really going to get better. And so he predicted this, this whole thing. Um, uh, verse 10, Then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke. Jeremiah had put a yoke on, on his neck and he said, This is what's going to happen to you. The king of Babylon is going to come on you and put you under bondage. And the prophet Hananiah took the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah and broke it and said before all the people, this is what the Lord says. So this guy is claiming to speak in the Lord's voice. In the same way, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off the neck of all the nations within two years. At this, the prophet Jeremiah went on his way. Um, Um, basically, but then back, oh, here it is, back in verse 5. The prophet Jeremiah replied to the prophet Hananiah before the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. He said, Amen, may the Lord do so. In other words, you know, I, I hope God does. I hope God does what you say he's going to do. But, he says, in reality, this is what's going to happen. Now, when we go to the New Testament, if you go to John chapter 3, this is the passage that I was talking about earlier. John chapter 3. Most of you know this passage very much. Uh, you're very familiar with it, if, if not know it by heart or parts of it by heart. But Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus. And verse 3, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. And, and the older Bibles would translate that as verily, verily. But what Jesus actually said, the words that he used were amen, amen. Here's what I'm telling you. In other words, listen up. Verse 5, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. There it is again, amen and amen. Verse 11, uh, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know. And so those are the words amen that are used there. In the early churches, it was common for the general audience to say amen at the close of a prayer. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, we read that the promises of God are amen. They are true and they are sure. When God has spoken a promise, the amen is in Jesus confirming and fulfilling the promise to us. And in regards to the Lord's prayer, when you say amen to that, you are not just saying, I'm done, it's time to eat. In my house, when I was a kid growing up, my dad said the Lord's Prayer before every meal. And as soon as he said amen, it's like, let's eat. It doesn't just mean that. When you say amen at the end of the Lord's Prayer, you're saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Amen. Your kingdom come. Amen. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. So be it. 
Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Amen, Lord. Forgive me the same way that I forgive everyone else who has sinned against me. And it's also a title of the Lord Jesus in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. He is the amen. He is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So how do we use it? We need to use it appropriately. You can use it incorrectly or you can use it facetiously. And, and when you simply use it as an exclamation mark or even as a, an, a, an expletive in church when you're saying amen to stuff, amen to this or amen to that, you need to think very carefully about what you are saying and how you are saying. Sometimes we, we, we say amen to things that are nothing to do with God at all. And we often use it without thinking, and it has become a statement to indicate our prayer is finished. It's like putting a period at the end of a sentence. So how do you use it correctly? I think its rightful usage is at the end of a prayer. But you need to know what it means, not just saying, okay, I'm done now, it's someone else's turn. I think it's useful at the end of prayer, but you need to know what you're saying. I think it's very good for us when we read scripture in public, when the reader is finished for the church to respond, amen. So be it. We affirm the truth of God's word. It's very appropriate to finish a song like Psalm 89, the song we read this morning, Praise be to the Lord forever. Amen. And amen. If we're going to pray, we need to know how. You need to know what we're saying and how we're saying it. You need to be careful of using it like, think you know what you're talking about, like the radial alarm saw or the wheelbarrow. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I need to put my mind to work. I need to think about what I'm saying. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. And so my question to you is, the next time that you use the word amen, will you think of what it is that you are really saying? Will you think of the fact that you are confirming God's word and that you're serious about your prayer, maybe we should start our prayers with amen. Amen, Lord, we're here to talk to you. Amen. Jesus said, verily, verily, or Jesus said, amen, I tell you the truth. Maybe we should put some of those things into context as well. And so we need to pray not only with our spirit, not just off the top of our head, but we need to recognize, we need to understand what we are saying and to use those words appropriately. If you will be my valentine, then I will be your concubine. Just doesn't cut it when we're talking to God. So, we're going to sing and we have time for this. We're going to sing a couple of verses of song number 97. The song is 
uh, about being born again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, you must be born again. Now, when you're singing the chorus of this song, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth in the Son, it's true, has everlasting life. But you're saying amen and amen. Those are the words that you're saying. Let's stand and sing this. We're going to sing. Let me just have a look here. I think it's the first and last verses. Yes. Song number 97, first and last verses of this song. What a Savior that he died for me. From condemnation he hath made me free. He that believeth on the Son, said he, hath everlasting life. Here it is. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true, hath everlasting life. Though all unworthy, yet I will not doubt, for him that cometh he will not cast out. He that believeth, though the good news shout, hath everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Verily, verily, message ever new, He that believeth on the Son, tis true, Hath everlasting life. Amen. He that believeth on the Son, tis true, hath everlasting life. Let's pray together. Amen, Lord God Almighty. We are so glad that you are the Amen. You are the true one, the faithful one. And Lord Jesus, you are the final one, the final word. You are the true amen. Father, give us understanding. Give us minds that don't just repeat things without thinking about it or by rote or by habit. But give us minds that know and understand. Father, grant us grace and lead us on into maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant us the wisdom and the willingness to put into practice that which you teach us. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let's all say it together. Amen. We're dismissed.